Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And so these words, Roth and Chode, are describing strong feelings where emotions are just intense. You know, this is a family fight. This isn't a family night. This is a family fight. And Dave Stafford who used to attend the chapel, he was a police officer, and I remember one time he told me the most dangerous part of his job was when he had to intervene in a family fight. And now, Jacob, he's been described for us. He's a plain man. He's normally a calm man. He's a plain man. He's not a confrontational type person. He's not an Esau. He doesn't go fight. But he's been provoked. And the top has just blown off the tea kettle. And what has really infuriated Jacob is all about how Laban went about to do what he did. See, first, Jacob, it was not so much that Laban followed after Jacob, but it was how Laban followed after Jacob. When Jacob said to Laban in verse 36, that thou hast so hotly pursued after me. The word delak there for hotly, it's used, hotly pursued, was used to describe how Israel chased down the Philistines and killed them after David killed Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 53. 1 Samuel 17, 53. The children of Israel returned from chasing, that's the word, after the Philistines, to spoil their tents. See, literally, Jacob is saying to Laban, you hunted me down like an animal. You hunted me down like an animal. The next thing that really provoked Jacob was how Laban looked for his gods, where, where, where Laban, it says he literally felt through his stuff. Laban showed no respect for Jacob's stuff, but just ransacked through, through Jacob's stuff. Laban wasn't coming into town and said, excuse me, can I have a look in that basket, please? He didn't do that. It was more like, out of my way or I'll knock you over. Now, Jacob describes, starts his description, after he's lost his cool, He's starting his description of all the unfair treatment that Jacob has endured at the hands of Laban, which were the harsh conditions that we read, the heat, the frost, and the desert, the, 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 the harsh treatment of having to personally replace any animal that was lost and not Jacob's fault. Oh, he goes on to details. But Jacob describes these conditions and what he had to endure in verse 38 with these words, this 20 years have I been with thee. He starts his description with these words, this 20 years. That's a long time. This 20 years. And of everything that Jacob details out in verses 38 through 41, the most impressive part 
is his start this 20 years, which he repeats at the end in verse 38. Thus have I been 20 years in thy house. 20 years. He says it's a long time. And when we read it, we're impressed. That's a long time. That's a long time that Jacob endured. That's a long time that Jacob didn't give up. Jacob could have given up and just left. You know, when Laban put the harsh conditions on him from the start, Jacob could have said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done, right? I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to continue. I just want to go as I came. I'm quitting. I don't want your daughters. Keep your daughters. It's just not worth it. But Jacob had his eye on the goal of getting Rachel, and he didn't quit, and Jacob endured. And after he got Rachel, Jacob knew what it was going to be like to work another six years for Laban, and he could have said, you know what, I don't want to work for you anymore. Laban, I'm just leaving. But Jacob had his eye on the goal of getting the cattle, so Jacob endured, and he didn't give up. See, this emphasis, this 20 years emphasis, it shows us Jacob endured, he did not give up. That's a lesson for us. That's a lesson for us on endurance. Job describes our type of endurance with these words in Job 17.9, Job 17.9. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. That's a beautiful verse. Now, John described endurance as the mark of a true follower of the Lord Jesus, when he said in 1 John 2.19, 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. What's the most important parable that the Lord Jesus Christ taught? Of all his parables, what's the most important one? Mm -mm. The one that he said, if you don't know this parable, how are you going to know any parable? How are you going to know all the parables? It was the parable of the sower and the seed. As he said in Mark 4.13, Mark 4.13, he said it to them, know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? It's the most important one. What the Lord Jesus was saying, that the parables cannot be understood without knowing this fundamental, foundational parable of the sower and the seed. Now, there are many, many truths that are seen in this parable of the sower and the seed. It's in Mark 4, 2. Mark 4, 2 through 9. He taught them many things. That's what it says. He taught them many things by parables and said it to them in his doctrine. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. Came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside. The fowls of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it had much earth. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Some fell among thorns. The thorns grew up, choked it. It yielded no fruit. Other fell on good ground where it did yield fruit and sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100. He said unto them, He that hath ears, let him hear. Well, they didn't hear. They didn't get it. They said, explain it to us. He says, okay, I'll give you the explanation. In Mark 4:14. 4, he says, the sower soweth the word. These are they by the wayside where the word was so, is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are they, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, 
who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sakes, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. There are many people described in this parable. How many people are described in the parable? Everybody that's turned to God. How many types of people? Okay. How many sowers are described in this parable? Just one. Verses four, uh, verse three through four. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. There's five people described in this parable. There's one sower and then four types of people. In this most important, see, verse, in this most important parable, we have one sower with one goal, to see this seed get into good ground and result in a big harvest. But in this most important parable, we so often focus on the four people represented by the four types of ground. We ignore the sower. What, is he chopped liver? <laughs> you know, he's important because we've all been called to sow. We've all been called to sow by witness, sow the word of God. We've all been called to witness, witness, witness. We are like the sower in this parable. What can we learn about the sower in this parable? What about the sower in this parable? What's happening to the sower? He has no feelings? What happened to the seed of the sower? Well, what first happened to the seed of the sower, something very discouraging happened to the seed because the sower watches in horror as his seed falls first on hard ground and the sower is discouraged to see his precious seed that he's worked so hard to get, prepare, just get wasted on the ground, and the ground doesn't receive a seed, and the sower watches in further horror as birds just come, eat it up. But with that discouragement, the sower doesn't give up. The sower endures. The sower continues to sow. He does not let the experience of seeing his seed fall on hard ground and get eaten up cause him to give up. The sower goes on. And the next thing that happens, what's the next thing that happens to the seed that the sower sowed? Again, something very discouraging happening. Very discouraging because hope is drawn out then. Now the sower sees his seed, falls into rocky ground, and the sower is thrilled to see his seed be received by the ground and to see his seed spring up. And he's so hopeful as he sees his seed spring up into a plant. But then comes the heat and the sower watches the plant die. And the sower sees the plant, when he sees the plant die, he feels his hope dies. He's discouraged. And the sower is discouraged, but he doesn't give up. He endures, he continues to sow, and he doesn't let the experience of seeing the plant from his seed die in the sun cause him to give up. He goes on. What's, what next happens to the seed and the sower? Again, something very discouraging happens. Now the sower sees his seed fall into thorny, weed-infested ground. And the sower, again, he's thrilled to see his seed received by the ground grow into a plant. But then the sower watches the thorns and the weeds just wrap themselves around 
the plant and choke it. And the seed watches in horror and he feels like he's being choked in discouragement. And the sower is discouraged, but the sower does not give up. The sower endures, the sower continues to sow. He does not let the experience of seeing the plant die from being choked by the weeds cause him to give up. He goes on. Only after not giving up from three very discouraging experiences does the sower finally see his seed fall into good ground and bring forth a great harvest. But the sower could not see his seed bring forth this big big harvest until he endured first through the first three discouraging experiences. Just like Jacob. Jacob could not see his big family and all these possessions until he endured this 20 years. And when we witness, we're the sower, and in witnessing, we must go through the discouragement of seeing the Word of God that we sow fall flat on hard grounds with a, with a rejection and a harsh prejudice. We have to go through that. We have to endure that. We, the discouragement of seeing souls make a quick profession and then fall away with trials We have to go through that discouragement. We have to endure. We have to keep on. The discouragement of seeing souls make a profession and then be choked out with cares and the pursuit of riches and and pleasures, we have to go through that discouragement. We have to go on until we finally see souls become solid followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we see in Jacob in verses 38 and 41 when he says, this 20 years, we see endurance, we see not giving up, speaks to us of the witness that sows. Sow, sow, keep on sowing. God will make it grow without your knowing. So here we are. We've come now to the last part of chapter 31, which is the last meeting between Jacob and Laban. And this last meeting is marked in a very strange way. It's marked with a covenant and a monument, a monument of that covenant, which Jacob actually instituted. Verse 44, Verse 44, now therefore come thou, let us make a covenant. I am thou, let it be for a witness between me and thee. And Jacob took a stone, set it up for a pillar, and Jacob said unto his brethren, gather stones. They took stones, made a heap. They did eat there upon the heap. Jacob set up one stone as a pillar, and then Jacob makes this heap of stones. He's got a pillar, he's got a heap of stones here. That's what he does. And Jacob calls the pillar, and the heap, a witness. That's what he calls it, a witness. And then Jacob goes ahead, he offers sacrifices on the heap of stones. So the heap is used for a place where animals are slaughtered. Then the heap of stone is used as a table. Why not? Eat bread on it. Then the heap of stones and the pillar became a witness or a monument of the covenant that Jacob and Laban made that day. It was a monument of the last meeting of Jacob and Laban. There was a vow that they would never see each other again. Jacob would never go and visit Uncle Laban again, and Laban would never go and visit Jacob again. The heap of stones and the pillar served as a witness that they had made a vow to never see each other again. This was a very solemn time that ended a 20-year history. This is the last meeting between Jacob and Laban, which means this is the last chapter in Jacob's life of, entitled, Life with Laban. That chapter, as we've seen, 
has lasted an important 20 years. 20 important years in the house of Laban. When we look back over those 20 important years, Jacob, in the house of Laban, we can see our own lives when we were in the world and a part of the world. And, and for Jacob, these were 20 important years of learning who Laban really was, that Laban was not his friend. For our time in the world, those were important years for us of learning what the world really is. The world is not our friend. Amen. For Jacob, those 20 important years of Jacob were also Jacob learning who Jacob was apart from God, morally impure, personally miserable, spiritually blind. And for our time in the world, those were important words for us learning who we really are, apart from God, morally impure, personally miserable, spiritually blind. For Jacob, those were an important 20 years of learning who God was. Jacob's real companion, God was Jacob's real companion, who said that he was with Jacob in Genesis 28, 15. Genesis 28, 15 is, is foundational in Bethel before he gets there. In Genesis 28, 15, behold, I am with thee. Jacob's real friend was the one who said that he would not abandon Jacob when he said in Genesis 28, 15, I will not leave thee. Jacob learned. Jacob's real protector was the one who said he's going to protect him in Genesis 28, 15. I will keep thee in all places where thou goest. Jacob learned. Jacob's real guide was the one who said he'd bring Jacob when he said, Genesis 28, 15, I will bring thee again to this land. Learning who God was was the most important truths that Jacob learned over these past 20 years. And Jacob was told by God all of this in, in Genesis 28, 15. Those were important 20 years where Jacob then learned by experience who God was. It was a painful 20 years, but Jacob had to learn the pain. Laban's not his friend. Jacob came to Laban saying to himself, why do I need God? I have Laban. I have everything I need in Laban. And during those 20 years, Jacob learned, that's not true. Laban's not his friend. That's why verse 52 is so important because it's Jacob burning the bridge behind him where he says to Laban, I'll never come back to you. And Laban says to Jacob, I'll never come to you. In verse 52, this heap be witness, verse 52. And this pillar be witness. I will not pass over this heap to you. This pillar, this pillar, this heap. It's the, I'm not going over there. And he says, I'm not going over to you. See, Laban's on one side. Jacob's on the other side. And there's this pillar and this heap. And Jacob's saying, I'm not crossing over that. It's a witness. And then Laban is saying, I'm not crossing over that either. That pillar and that heap of stones, verse 52, is a marker that said Jacob and Laban were finished with each other. That pillar, that heap of stones, in verse 50, 51, 52, were a marker that said that Jacob would never come to Laban and Laban would never come to Jacob. We have a marker in our lives, like verse 51. That marker is the cross. The cross is our marker that says we will never go back into the world. The cross is our marker that says the world will never pull us back into the world, as it says in Galatians 6.14. In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. See, in verses 51 and 52, Jacob listened very carefully when Laban said, Behold this heap, behold this pillar, which I have cast betwixt thee and thee. 
this heap be witness, this pillar be witness, I will not pass over this heap to thee. Thou shalt not pass over this heap, this pillar unto me. Jacob saw the pillar and the heap and said, yes, I see a pillar, I see a heap of stones, heap of stones. But no, I see not just a heap of stones and a pillar, I see a line that I won't cross over. Jacob looked at the pillar and the heap and saw it as more than just a pillar and a heap, and he saw it as a witness. He saw it as a pillar. What's a pillar? It's a tall monument. It can be seen from far away like a lighthouse is a pillar with a beacon light that shines far away, and it marks a dividing line between water and dry land. So what the heap and the pillar is called the dividing. Some looked at the pillar and say, it's only a pillar. All I see is a pillar, but not Jacob. Jacob looked at the pillar and said, oh, some may say it's a stone that's being stood up like a pillar. I see it as more. I see it as marking a dividing line that I'll never cross over. In the same way, some look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and see, I see two pieces of wood that the Romans used to execute Jesus, but not us. We look at the cross and say, some may see a cross as two pieces of wood set up to execute Jesus. I see a cross as a pillar marking a dividing line that I will never cross over. For me, the cross is my pillar that says, I will never go back into the world. For me, the cross is Galatians 6.14 pillar in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I into the world. Many of you remember Mike Johnson. Mike was my best friend back in the 1970s. I brought him to the chapel in the 1970s. When I met Mike, Mike was a speech major, and he was an accomplished speaker, an actor. He would have gone straight to the top. But there came a time when Mike was asked in his training to perform in the play in San Diego called Calcutta. And in Calcutta, all the actors appeared on the stage naked. And when Mike heard that, Mike said, my career as an actor is over. It's just ended. Mike said, I cannot do that and maintain my Christian testimony. Why? Because the cross for Mike had become his pillar, the dividing line that said to Mike, Mike would never cross over that line to return it to the world that he left, and the world would have no grab on Mike to pull him back. For the sake of the cross, Mike changed his life plans. Today, Mike's a pastor, Faith Bible Church, San Mateo. What made the difference for Mike? The cross. Verse 52, the pillar of witness did not cross over back into the world. A world that died to Mike when the Lord Jesus was crucified on the cross. When the world comes knocking on our door and strutting its attractive stuff, we need to be like Mike and say the words of Galatians 6.14. In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. The cross is our pillar of witness that marks the line between us and the world that we will not cross over that line back into the world. We will, we will not walk by the cross and ignore it as we go back into the world. Just as the pillar of witness marked for Jacob the line he would not cross over to go back to Laban, so the cross of the Lord Jesus marks the line we won't cross over to go back into the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the cross. Thank you for our pillar of witness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, too, for the example here of Jacob enduring, not giving up, Help us, Lord, in our witness, press through the three discouraging responses till we get to the one. In Jesus' name, amen.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.